This podcast is a HistoryNet article brought to life by an AI voice provided by InstaRead. You can find the original article and many more at HistoryNet.com. One of this Western director's scenes looked so real that it provoked actual gunfire by David McCormick. In 1902, Harry Buckwalter teamed with William Selig to make short real westerns. On October 9, 1904, amid production on the film The Holdup of the Leadville Stage, or Robbery of the Leadville Stage, a real shootout occurred. The crew and some two dozen cast members were filming the climactic holdup scene in the foothills of Colorado Springs, Colorado, when a wagon load of Eastern tourists happened on the location. Hearing gunshots and witnessing a man falling to the ground, armed men among the tourists opened fire on the make-believe highwaymen, wounding film executive William Selig in the arm. Meanwhile, the director rushed toward the dudes, waving his arms and beseeching them to cease fire. By the time the Easterners holstered their six shooters, they'd fired nearly a dozen rounds. Fortunately for cast and crew, the trigger-happy tourists proved pitiable shots. Otherwise, the affray might have resulted in all too real, bullet-ridden bodies. The director who came to the rescue was Harry H. Buckwalter. Realizing Americans had long been captivated with the lore and legends of the Old West, he was among the first to film what have since been branded westerns. A photojournalist turned filmmaker, Buckwalter teamed up with William Selig, owner of Selig Polyscope Company, around the turn of the 20th century. Over the next decade, the pair produced assorted rudimentary histrionic narratives for rap theatergoers. Buckwalter served as producer, director, and cameraman, while Selig distributed the films. Though Buckwalter's production career was brief, it was prolific. Between 1901 and 1913, he completed nearly 50 Western-themed films, some simple scenic panoramas, others action narratives with unpolished plots. Born in Reading, Pennsylvania, on November 1, 1867, Harry Hale Buckwalter first ventured west at age 16. Colorado's striking vistas prompted an interest in photojournalism, leading him in turn to the Denver Republican and the Rocky Mountain News. As a photographer and roving reporter for the latter, he was soon making headlines. To highlight Buckwalter's stories, staff artists initially reproduced his photos as woodblock illustrations. Buckwalter was fearless. On August 12, 1894, having enlisted local balloonist Ivy Baldwin, he prepared to shoot a series of aerial photographs of Denver and environs. When the weight of both men proved too much for the balloon to lift, Buckwalter made the ascent solo from Elitch Gardens. The resulting article, Dancing in the Air, featured his sweeping landscapes, early Western photojournalism at its best. By 1900, Buckwalter had left the Rocky Mountain News to pursue a career as a freelance photographer. He soon found himself working on the railroads, notably the Colorado Midland CM, taking promotional photographs of trackside scenery. That lucrative work stirred his interest in capturing objects in motion, and he experimented with various high-speed shutters. The sideline paid off as New York-based Prosh Manufacturing Co., which made early photographic equipment, paid $100 for an enhanced shutter developed by Buckwalter. With his newly honed skill, he was soon capturing still images of moving trains, rodeos, and other action subjects. It was a short hop from there to motion pictures. For the well-paying CM Buckwalter filmed travelogues, early documentaries of spectacular Western routes. By 1902, Buckwalter had a number of travelogues under his belt. 
with those he began his association with Selig, suppling the enterprising motion picture executive with 19 short films for Polyscope's 1902 catalog. With runtimes between one and three and a half minutes, Shorts was certainly an apt label. There were no plots, just uninterrupted action. Such travelogues as Panoramic View of Hellgate and Panorama of Ute Pass brought the CM passengers and Buckwalter interested clients. At least one of Buckwalter's shorts never made it to the screen. In the spring of 1905, on invitation, he was filming President Theodore Roosevelt and Party returning from a hunt in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, when Gertrude Buell Dunn, a local correspondent for a Denver newspaper, rode up and photobombed the president. The attractive young woman was not only riding astride, but also dressed in rather risque fashion, with rolled-up sleeves and ankles showing beneath her skirts. An incensed Roosevelt had administration officials confiscate Buckwalter's reel and hundreds of snapshots taken by local residents, though the Denver Times managed to skirt the ban and publish a photo of Dunn. Buckwalter was ever the innovator. For his part, in a 1906 advertising blitz for the Santa Fe Railroad and city of Albuquerque, the filmmaker placed his camera on the front of a trolley car that was to run the length of Railroad Street, present-day Central Avenue. To ensure he would capture sufficiently interesting action, Buckwalter pitched a story for the September 2 edition of the Albuquerque Morning Journal, asking every man, woman, and child to show up on Railroad Street at 11.30 the next morning to show the rest of the United States what a real crowd looks like. The chance at stardom brought the crowds and Buck Walters' resulting travelogue Albuquerque, New Mexico, City Tour, captured the business district at its busy best. Not all of Buck Walters' films lacked a plot. Among his earliest was the four-minute 1902 short The Girls in the Overalls, which dramatized a true story about the orphaned son and seven daughters of Gunnison Colo, rancher Regis Vidal and wife Albine. When their parents died, the siblings worked to keep the ranch going. The film, which captures the Vidal orphans at work and play, brought them public attention and offers of help. More action-packed Buckwalter titles included the aforementioned Hold Up of the Lidville Stage and Tracked by Bloodhounds, or A Lynching at Cripple Creek, 1904. Buckwalter's swan song in the film business was a documentary on the final phase of construction of the Panama Canal. Once out of motion pictures, he transformed himself into a pioneering radio broadcaster. Harry Buckwalter took his own final bow at age 62 on March 7, 1930. Soon after his death, wife Carrie Emmajine Fuller donated his collection of glass plate negatives to the since-closed Colorado History Museum. Today, almost all his films are lost to time though Tracked by Bloodhounds is viewable on YouTube. Thank you for listening to this HistoryNet article. For more in-depth, compelling historical content, please visit HistoryNet.com.